We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Podcaster discovers that having drinks in the ground and a last-minute equalizer can actually be really fun. This is the Arsenal Vision Post-Match Podcast. My name is Alex Smith, the Blackman Twitter at Yankee Gunner. I'm back in the States, but I'm back with the memories of a lifetime. And one of them is 95th-minute equalizer. It is funny how playing like, let's say it, crap, and equalizing against lower mid-table opposition at home that you're hoping to beat, when you watch it on TV alone in your home, doesn't leave you feeling that exhilarated. Singing and shouting and jumping up and down and hugging strangers and then wandering off to get inebriated into the deep hours of the night, it definitely adds a little different feeling to it. But I assure you, loyal listeners, who expect me to be nothing short of a lunatic, on my flight home, I did a little zen. I read some of Paul's Eastern philosophy books to get myself back into the frame of mind to complain endlessly. So don't worry, that's coming. So just a couple of quick notes and we'll dive right into it. I think that there is interest, and I could be dead wrong, and and uh, maybe this is overly navel-gazing, but I think there is interest in hearing more about uh, my trip, the week that was spent there, the time Clive and I had, and Tim and I had, and uh, that, that Paul had sitting in the corner crying and feeling jealous. I, I would like to hear that described in detail. Uh, no, but all kidding aside, I'd like to do a podcast about that, but I don't want to do it now because we owe you a post-match analysis of uh, the Palace game, and we're going to do that. But I do want to go through all those details because there's just lots of little lovely details and meeting people and and moments that were really special. The other thing is the live event that we did um, at the Victoria Tavern. As you probably know by now, the audio is out. But if you don't know, the video is out on well, on well, yeah, let's go with that, as well, on YouTube. So you can watch the whole event uh, as though you were there. And having been there, I I recommend it. Uh, absolutely. So, and a thanks to, to everyone who made that special. Gabriel did an amazing job with the engineering and Harry who worked with him, Maraid and Rob and Drew and all the people from the Arsenal Foundation. Obviously, uh, really special to be with them and uh, plans already in the works to to do even better next time, raise even more uh, and, and continue to just support a great charity. So, Arsenal 1, no, Arsenal 2, Palace 2. Uh, and we're here to discuss that with Paul. You can find him on Twitter, Pops My Pants. Hello, Paul. 
Woohoo! Boy, did I miss you, buddy. I, and from what I understand, you just soaked up and enjoyed every minute of of the the trip that I had and the time that I I spent over there, and that uh, in no way had any other feelings about it. Yeah, I I consumed your voluminous uh, coverage, your every thought. Um, yeah, no, this is good timing for the podcast because I've been sulking for days because you guys were having such a great time. I felt like a 14-year-old girl who missed out on the best party of the year of ever because I was caught fooling around with some boy around the side of the garage, as we say over here. This sounds worryingly specific. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But, but, this is my other life. I'm a bit of a Shirley MacLaine in that aspect. Mm, um, but yeah. Traveler, it, as they say. Yeah. So, well, uh, yeah, I'm, it was painful watching you all having a great time, but I'll get to do it next time, so. You will, and I think it's fair to say that the reason we were able to have a good time is because of the amazing community surrounding this podcast, which would not exist if you were not a part of it. So hey I'm, man, I'm thrilled to be talking to you again. Yep. Uh, and uh, the man himself, Clive, you can find him on Twitter, Clive PFC. Hello, my friend. And I can say my friend now, like not just like I have to say it because we do a podcast together, but because it's actually true. Hello, hello. Yeah, it was um, very nice to uh, meet. And um, yeah, last few days will live with me for a very long time, that's for sure. Yes, yes, same, and might I add, award-winning podcast, and we owe a lot of that uh, to those of you listening right now, uh, yeah, the thrill of a lifetime. Yep, and and so also to Scott, who will be on in, in a very uh, near future episode, and to Tim, who is in Malta uh, right now, because he does amazing things, and his life is wonderful, and he's just a rock star. So all that and more to come, and hopefully some good uh, Arsenal women's content on the horizon, too, which I'm pretty excited about. So it's 2-2, it's a draw, and I think... Like I said, look, being in the stadium, two things occurred to me. One, the ability to see more of the pitch really, really does help. Like, I am not as keen a tactical eye as probably anyone on this podcast. But with that view, you definitely get more of a sense of the patterns of play and what's happening. And then the other thing is definitely the energy of drawing a game where you've played poorly and you really expected to win it and should have won and want to win the energy of that when you get a last-minute equalizer at the stadium is a little different. You should be able to celebrate the equalizer. 2-2 is better than 1-2 and still recognize that it wasn't near good enough in terms of a performance. So, Paul, I think I want to skip, if it's all right with you, at least for now, the opening section where we were good and on top of them and fine and talk a little bit about what I perceive to be the meat of the issue right now, which is how we played when we went 1-0 up, and from 15 minutes to 45 minutes in particular. If you go to Scott's by the numbers column on our blog site, you will absolutely see some, some stats that match the eye test in a big way. Just no final third entries, no pressure, no engaging with Palace and trying to make life difficult for them, and watching us sort of sink back and get our lines compressed again like we did against Brighton, and in particular, the extent to which the midfield just vanished from the game, that for me was a really worrying period. So do you have, after a few days, an explanation for that period in particular and why we were so passive? Um, not fully. I'm still grappling with it. Um, I think, like, I do think there's kind of a decline, a more gradual decline. I think, like, from about 10 minutes on to about 30 minutes, it's not so bad. Um, but it's all up the sides. It's all around the edges. It's all a bit horseshoey. There's a couple of 
chances up through the middle where we break away. Smith Rowe is in a great position, should have sh- shuttled it out to Pepe to his right. So there's a couple of moments, uh, but but they don't amount to too much. And Palace's, Palace comes into the game at that point, much more pressure, uh, especially every time we have the ball kind of deep on our on our wings around our full backs uh they press heavily um we lack quality playing out i mean it, it's not like it's always the pressure maybe it's the thing it's like that mentality thing you get like the Klopp thing where he talks about how you stop playing football maybe when you've been pressed for a while and you've been pushed back for a bit they're dominating possession when you get the ball for whatever reason like the the every one of our players has a moment where there's an okay pass on and they don't make it. Um, in terms of how we're set up, obviously we've got, we're kind of playing this, what people are calling a 4-3-3, uh, Odegaard to the left, but he's kind of doing the chaka roll for a lot of it, which means we don't have him upfield when we need to connect things around the penalty area. Like he's the guy who should be making the clever passes that get us into the box and we don't get into the box after about 10 minutes into this game until Lacazette comes on and yep. basically comes on as a 10, um, kind of. Part-time 10, part-time gets in the box. Um, but he's the guy who connects us up the middle, does clever, connecty passes. But we've elected not to use Odegaard in that way, and you'll see him off uh, filling in by left back where Chaka does, helping our horseshoe passing. But, you know, maybe what we need is him... P- playing as a 10 up around the box. If it's, if it's not him, who is it? I mean, we were challenged with Tierney and like, I'm sure there'll be stuff to be said about Tierney and the stuff being said about Tierney passing backwards and being inconsistent. But so often he doesn't have a good option running past him. And like over his side would have been Odegaard. Well, Odegaard is not the guy who's going to make the overlapping or underlapping run. If we'd had, Smith throw, which we do in the second half, you get that overlapping run, but we didn't even see that with Smith throw. Um, and so I don't really know what this this was. I don't. If we don't have Odegaard as the ten, who's going to connect those passes that get us from our triangles on the left and on the right into the box? We're just going to horseshoe it back again, and that's what we did in in the first half. And until Lacazette came on, we didn't have an answer to ping it up the middle for it to stick. Um, I guess the other conversation is you've made the point that Aubameyang isn't so bad on the hold-up play and the connectee play. Um, but I guess it depends which Lacazette we compare him to. If we compare it to this guy, what a guy. Lacazette, when he came on from the get-go, I mean, uh, I think I'm falling into a deep love for that guy based on this 20 minutes um, and how he's approached this season, given that he's basically been signaled that he's our our second striker by some distance. Yeah, that's a good uh, point. He looks totally like motivated and switched on when he comes. What a guy! Hard to analyze. But to be that's like he doesn't just come on and play. He comes on as a, a as effectively a cheerleader, stirring up the crowd. I mean, talking about not sulking. I mean, he put me to shame with this whole trip you guys did where i didn't get to do <laughs> yeah and I so you, you, 
you I have one question for you. Ben Chabint and went, went, yeah. <laughs> went totally Elliot out. <laughs> look, yeah. at, look at Lacazette. Yeah. What's uh, the question? Uh, there's one question. I just, this is what I read. What does Clive smell like? Um, like imagine, almonds, like almonds. imagine if you had the feather of an angel's wing, <laughs> what that would smell like. Yeah. Um, yeah, so, so, so let, let me say this. I think one thing, sometimes you can zoom out. Like we like to get really granular and that's great. But zooming out, I think the thing that struck me watching this game, especially where I could see more of the spacing on the pitch and stuff is just, there are times you watch football and the results aren't there, but you're like, this is coming. It's clicking. What I'm seeing, there's something here. I think the problem was watching this set the results aside for a minute. The, you know, the, the, whatever it was, the, the last few games, the point totals were fine, but like, I don't see football that I think, yep, it's about to click and be really good. Yep, we're about to turn someone over. Or we're about to start to show that we can dominate. I think in general, when it works, it's a series of some quick passes back to front that create goals like the three goals that we scored against Spurs. But there isn't a sustained period of pressure pushing the opposition back. The irony is we did actually do that chasing the late equalizer against Palace when I think you know, Lacazette came on and we were really going for it. It's just a thing we don't do much. And Clive, one of the areas that looked really, really troubling for me was central midfield, Party and Odegaard. And Odegaard in particular looked very uncomfortable in that double pivot position. Off the ball, I thought it was really poor, not engaging, not really blocking passing lanes, not able to get on the ball, so not much to talk about. And I would think, because you've talked about this, that sort of the idea with Odegaard, Party, Saka, and Smith-Rowe is that you get a bit of a box in the center of midfield. But here's what's interesting. Odegaard played one pass to Saka and two to Smith-Rowe. Party played two to Saka and two to Smith-Rowe. So if the idea is to create a box in there and have them connected, there was no connectivity there. And so you can make wide triangles all you like, but the central midfield had no participation in this game. So I'm curious why you think they became so disconnected and why we we had no centrality in this game because we've had some of this issue before, but it seemed massively exaggerated in this game. Yeah, I, I watched this game today and um, mm. also, I, also I went to the game and so I walked out of certain feelings and, um, and I soon forgot them once I got to Tonington. But um, then I had other feelings watching today. So... I think we have to give Crystal Palace a bit of credit for cutting off spaces. So let's take it back a little bit, right? So what really dawned on me today was what type of team we are. Right? So when I get excited watching Arsenal, it seems to be when we win the ball in the middle of the pitch and really drive through a team on the transition. we got transition carriers in Smith-Rowe, Saka, and we've got even a Bamiyang. Pepe, they're all, they're, all, they're all sprinters. They want to get on the get on the hoof and get going. And when I feel excited is when we're breaking through and broken field play. And most of that was caused by us either cutting out a pass or winning the tackle. Right? So that is who we are. That, honestly, when, when I, we are, I almost call it like a Klopp user term that Liverpool play heavy metal football. Mm-hmm. I actually use the term, I think we're a punk rock team. And punk rock is a shorter record, right? It's, it's, it's screen, screen, screen over in two minutes. We're like a punk rock team. We play in bursts, which are short. And in those bursts, if we're efficient, we're amazing. So think back to the Spurs game. If you rewatch the Spurs game, we just had a burst where we scored three goals. We were amazing in that burst. Outside of that, we weren't that good. 
Yeah, that's true. Mm-hmm. We watch it. When we beat teams, we burst, we, we execute, we deliver in a period when we're hot. And we had a hot period in this game and we didn't score the second goal, right? So, and then we thought, mm, what do we do now, right? So, so what did Palace do? I mean, I've got so many, I've got, honestly, Eddie, I've got so many things in this game, you're going to have to control me, right? I mean, um, I can't, as I think you know, so just do what you do. <laughs> so, so what are teams doing now, right? So most teams are blocking out our wide areas in particular. They're really focusing on our left-hand side. So Palace cleverly use Andre Ayew and Conor Gallagher to really smash Odegaard and Tierney and break the link to Saka, right? They did that superbly well. And that's why Tierney kept passing backwards because Andre Ayew literally sacrificed himself defensively and when he wasn't there, Conor Gallagher did the same. And they kept smashing us. So when we were trying to break, they kept fouling us. So McCarthy fouled us, Gallagher fouled us, and they kicked down Saka, kicked down Aubameyang, kicked us down. So we couldn't get the Arthur numbers. Arthur should have had two yellow cards at least. Went through the back of Saka. It was uh, Mike you, Dean, what the fuck? He he enabled this, and I'm not someone who looks at referees, but he enabled this. The amount of times they fouled us on the transition, so we couldn't join in with numbers, and they kept doing it because they didn't have a card. They didn't have a card. Now, if we get the card... He booked Saka. He booked Saka <laughs> immediately. Saka. Oh, my gosh, yeah. And he also deserved booking. But McCarthy did that twice. Yep. You know? So, um, and so, but these things make you make decisions. So, the next time someone runs straight past you, we join in and we combine and we get a shot off, right? So, these are details. So, they, they focused on blocking our wide left in particular. You're, and you're they spot on, left. by the way, Clive, because when you look at the their touch maps... Palace's touch maps in the first half, like it's all in over by our wings where they're pressing, they're uh, feeding on scraps, they're forcing us into errors. We're we're not doing much through the middle, but really neither are they. All their all their effort is to crowd our wings. Yeah, exactly. So again, if you watch Arsenal, you, we all ever knows we're a left-sided bias team. We go that side. They call it this tactic like you're on the elbow, so you load one side high. By the way, Palace did it with Tyreek Mitchell. By the way, they keep Joel Ward back in a three with Anderson and Gay, just like we do. And we spoke half as earlier. Every team is doing the same thing, loading one side heavy, and they blocked off our left side. And, they, and Odegaard didn't overcome, didn't win his battle. Tierney was forced to. Couldn't get it round the corner first time because Saka was strangely immobile up front, you know, when he was there. And and on the other side, Tini was all oh, sorry, um Pepe was also, I think, not very proactive in his movement, which forced us to pass the ball square. What happens when you pass the ball square? Teams go on what they call the prowl. You're on the prowl waiting for a square pass to jump on people. And they jumped on us and scored two goals. So I think I was one, this team, when it came out on paper, I was one that said, this is it. I want to see this. Um, I can't wait to see Odegaard play a bit deeper and we control the game from the base of the, of the pitch and we just stroke the ball around and just win the game 3-1, go home, right? But it didn't work, right? Because <clears throat> because they they won the battle on that side. Conor Gallagher, I'm afraid he, he was in charge of Odegaard, you know? Yeah. And and that's the truth. And, um, and he was a ghost on the day, right? So, um, <laughs> so... There were many, many factors in this game. That it's caused- interesting that the first sub was Odegaard off for Lacazette. I mean, you, you can look at it tactically, but you don't take off Odegaard if you think he's going to be your answer. So I think he really got neutralized on this day. He'll have better days than this, but 
yeah. you know. He did, and it's, it's happened a couple of times, though. And yeah. if you notice, I look for little trends. When he comes back from international breaks, he's not himself. You know, and it's something I've noticed because when he goes away, he's the captain, he's the main man. He comes back, he's not quite himself. Thomas Partey comes back, he's getting cramped late in the games again. You know, and Tommy Asu come back a little bit quiet after a long trip. And so there's a few players there that weren't quite themselves, a few too many, if if we're honest. Uh, I think there, there's a few trends here. And Paul, you mentioned Lacazette, and let's just do a little bit on that. I think we are looking, maybe I'm taking something from you, but... Yep, no doubt. <laughs> I can't. I can't help but feel that when Lacazette was on the pitch, we replaced a pillar that we've been missing. And people might say, "Oh, no, Granite Xhaka is a pillar of our team. He is, whether you like him or not, he is." And we missed that 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 guy in the central area. And the way Lacazette played, in, I know it was, I know he's not the same position, but psychologically, he he provided a pillar for us that we needed. Because the only other pillar is party and everyone zeroes in on him. I don't like this role where he's on his own in the middle of the wagon wheel. I don't like it because everyone can target him. It happened in Villarreal last year. It happened in the key games last year. He needs a partner. He needs strong personalities next to him that can at least take the crowd scene away from him so he can be who he needs to be. We can't put the cape on his back and ask him to carry everything on his own. And what Lacazette did is said, no, I'll take some of the load. Give it to me in here. You can bounce off me. And I thought as soon as he came on, everything transformed from that moment onwards. Well, and that dangerous move between Lacazette and Aubameyang, where Aubameyang played him in, it was all first time. The thing that really strikes me, the distances are so bad that every player who gets the ball, and this is the thing, these aren't, you know, cloggers who run around and, and you know, just want to kick somebody. Smith Rowe, Saka, Odegaard, Hardy, very technical players with a lot of skill with the ball at their feet. Every first touch is a carry. Every second touch is a carry. How many times do you see us just pinging the ball back and forth, back and forth? Party and Odegaard, they don't exchange passes. You know, I remember back in, in the Wenger days, even when it wasn't going great, you'd have two central midfielders standing two yards apart, just first time back and forth, back and forth to each other, looking to move the opposition They were, they were too close, Elliot, actually. I watched it today. They were too mm-hmm. close. Odegaard's position was not great, mate. No, he couldn't I don't get know a where he pass. was. He wasn't, yeah. He yeah. wasn't great. He didn't help him. He didn't give him, he didn't offer him a one two and then he then party could go. Well, that's you know, what I'm like Shaka like does. He didn't offer him anything, I'm afraid. Well, and the Shaka thing's interesting too, because uh, even though everyone knows he's not my favorite, a player that's coming in for a lot of criticism is Tierney. Tierney didn't get beyond the box at all. He didn't make those those runs to the byline. And I do wonder if he's missing the service from Shaka because Odegaard wasn't on the ball. And the ball that Tierney gets is usually from Shaka. But Paul, this business of these wide triangles. I know a lot of teams do it, but the way we do it is sort of like a caricature of how you would describe it, not the actual way you want it happening. Because watching this, I mean, we'd get the ball in our back line and, you know, one forward's on the right, one forward's on the left. Tierney's sitting there waiting to play triangles. Tomiyasu's sitting back and you watch it and you go, we couldn't play the ball through the middle if we wanted to. There's no access through the center of the pitch. Now, Lacazette added some of that because... He'll drop in. He's a little more of a focal point, and that worked a bit. I just wonder, you know, I I talked about this, right, the sense of whether it's about to click. There have been times when I've looked at what Arteta's trying to do on the pitch and thought, that makes sense to me, and I think it'll come good. That's not the case for me right now. The football I saw us play against Palace, I don't see the version of it where that was going to be effective in controlling the game, 
dominating territory, giving players chance to spark off each other and create you know openings. So do you have any sense of what the idea is and if the idea is good? Because uh, you know, if you trust the tactics and you think they're good and you just think they weren't executed or what whatnot, there's some hope in that. But I'm sort of struggling right now to look at the tactics that we employed against Palace and see how it was supposed to, you know, how it was supposed to yield results. Yeah, the triangle one is a fascinating one because, yeah, we do that triangle thing on either side. But when you see it done well with somebody like a Grealish and and somebody making the diagonal run to meet a ball that goes into the box, we just seem to lack this, the clever, smart run and the pass to find them. And obviously Odegaard's the guy to make the pass over on the right-hand side, but that's not where we played him for, for yeah. most of this game. But who's the guy who makes the run? Because Pepe, uh, you know, when I watch Pepe and we're doing our triangles, like fair play to him. That's that's a great shot for the goal. Um, Aubameyang, super sharp to finish that. So that was nice. That was great. Effort-wise, there's nothing wrong with the way Aubameyang's playing. I mean, his yeah. his burst to get in a position to score that, his, his energy levels are good. You know, we're just not, we're yeah. not putting the ball in the dangerous areas enough. Yeah, and you got to give some credit. Like, we're not going to talk about the first 10 or so minutes, but the the pressing, the pressure between Odegaard, weirdly, um, at times, and and Aubameyang, um, and the effort they put in, and uh, Aubameyang covering, putting in tackles, pressing. You know, that was very good. Uh, but then, the, then we kind of drop off a little bit. Uh, they get some... Pe- possession they get more of the possession they're they're actually going into a bit of a horseshoe mode um and when we do get our moments up the pitch um uh we we've a couple of good attacks of smith row type attacks up the middle that we don't make the most of that could have turned into the kind of the spurs story as clive talked about but didn't um i, I and I really relate to the point Clive made, which was there was a point in the first half where I'm like, we're having some good opportunities here, but we're probably going to really regret if we don't get that second goal. And then we just kind of fell off. They got their their foot into the game. When we did do our triangles, there's just they're not clever triangles. They're not what you see Liverpool doing over by the edges with a, uh, you know, Pepe is not being... Um, Mo Salah with the cleverness of his runs. He's still taking on two guys and losing that battle. And Can I say something no about sense. the triangle, though? Just, just real quick. We're passing like, inside and then we recycle. Yeah. I, I know, I know every, you can pick any three players on the pitch and there's a triangle. So the idea of triangles is kind of a funny one, right? Because literally the goalkeeper, the striker, and the left back makes a triangle. But when I watch these other teams, whether it's a Liverpool or a City, or you know, pick any team that looks a little more effective going forward and puts more pressure on the opposition, those triangles are tighter. <clears throat> They're closer together. There was a goal going around. Um, uh, uh, I don't know what year it was, but it was interplay between Alexis and Awobi, <clears throat> and I think um, Aaron Ramsey was involved. And you look at the distances, and there are some wide triangles there, but they're like two yards apart. And they have the ability to move defenders around with quick one-touch passing. When Pepe has the ball, he's doubled. Tomiyasu is 15 yards behind him and, and tucked inside. And I guess in this game, it was you know Smith Rowe drifting over that half, side. Yeah. But, yeah, yeah, but it's really, I mean, I, again, I know any three players are triangle, but it's not a triangle. It's wide 
duos. You know what I mean? Because there isn't that third piece of it. We really didn't, co- we didn't connect. We didn't connect quick yes. enough. We didn't. We didn't load the wide areas well enough. I think Odegaard was a big miss on the left hand side. The, the right I, side was a, a Bermuda Triangle, by the way, because yeah. like Tomiyasu, clearly Palace wanted Tomiyasu playing the ball because they pressed us on our left. They forced us to move the ball to the right. I think it showed a lot of disrespect to Ben White too, who they didn't seem too worried about. But Tomiyasu. You just don't have that threat on that side. And watching Pepe get the ball with two Palace defenders around him and his only pass is back inside to Smith Rowe 15 yards away. Clive, what's the what's the upside to that? Like, do you see what I'm saying? Like, I don't see patterns of play where I go, I get it. This is gonna start to work. This yeah. was not I've seen uh, I've seen I've seen it work before and we didn't work on on this day. We didn't get connected, we didn't get bodies around quickly enough. Um, we just when we switched it switched the point of the attack to the left hand side, we were slow getting over. Right. Um I, I think Saka was slow getting over. I think we, we didn't see that normal third man run down the side. Tierney yeah. opens his hips up first time down the side, back heel from Saka, Tierney crosses. We didn't see that, you know. On the right hand side, it I saw the smarts and the intelligence oh. and the dynamism in those triangles. Tri- yeah, triangles yeah. are great if you do them right. Triangles are great, but, but having people standing in two or three yeah. places, whether they're duos or triangles, doesn't really matter. But the trick is your proactive movement. Your proactive movement dictates the next pass. And what was happening was we were passing to standing people standing still. So on yes. the on the first goal, you know if you. If you watch Tommy Asu, he carries it, and he carries it right up to Pepe. Pepe just looks at him. Now, when you get too close to people, you can't play that pass because you're going to lose it, right? So what Pepe needs to do is when Tommy Asu's traveling towards him, he needs to spin him behind, give him a pass, yeah? Give some movement. And Tommy Asu can maybe flick it inside, and we get a triangle going that way. But by... You know, there's active triangles and there's static triangles. We had too many static players in the forward areas. And because of that, we then forced to pass square. We pass square, and that's when we get jumped on and transitioned, you know. This happened a lot of times in the game. Sometimes we recovered, sometimes we didn't. We, we conceded two almost identical goals by people looking for a pass, not there. I'm going to keep the ball so the picture changes. Oh, I've lost the ball. Now it's a running race. Do you know what I mean? We didn't have a chance to win the running race with Benteke. And the second goal, we didn't jump on it. Well, let's not talk about that. I'll, wait. I'll leave that for you a little bit later. But So in the end, those, those ability to move people around, we didn't move. And we were dumb. We carried. We closed distances. Our distances were too close. They're not progressive enough. We didn't have any relationships. We didn't have the movement, the cohesion that we normally have in these wide areas. We're not bad at this. Once we get there, but teams have been watching us and they're blocking us there. They're blocking us out wide. Brighton did it with a three-five-two. Palace used IU almost as a right wing back, almost, you know, to block that side. He's a good sprinter, so he can travel with us. I can get there and force Tierney backwards. Don't let him in behind. Don't let him onto Joel Ward. And they did it well, right? So then we're forced. Now we're looking. We're looking at Smith Rowe and Odegaard then to give us some central axis inside on Abamyang. And the difference between Abamyang and Lacazette is not that Abamyang can't hold up the play. He's not as positionally structured, and so he rests in the wrong place. And whereas Bamian, uh, Lacazette always rests centrally, so he can always find him. You know, and he can always play off him. He's a structure guy. Whereas a bang man can do the same thing, but he's a bit freer. But sometimes you'll be cresting up the right hand side. A bang on the left wing. 
You know, he's thinking, oh, I'll wait for my next chance. Different players, different personas. We didn't have that structure in the middle of the pitch and um, and that caused us issues and it didn't allow people to, because we didn't have structure in the middle of the pitch, they could really overload wide areas and really block us there, you know. And so it was a challenge for us today and we did not overcome it until we put the structure guy back in later on. Yes, and I, but I, I think there is another piece of that. Two things. So first of all, we're going to talk about the goals they scored, but I think the problem with them scoring two goals is that, and the mistakes that led to them, right? One from Thomas Party and one from Sambi Lakanga. That becomes a talking point. The goals we conceded, Ben White dropping off, Gabriel showing Benteke onto his stronger foot. Like th- those become the talking points. I still don't think the two goals we conceded are the problem with this match. And you can say, how can you say that? If we don't concede them, we win. I still think if we're going to go anywhere, the thing that's going to hold us back from getting there isn't the way we conceded the two goals. It's the extent to which we couldn't possess the ball, control the center of the park, have possession in midfield, create dangerous moves. And maybe that's just the way I like to see football as an attacking perspective. I don't think defense is going to be our undoing, even if there were a couple of ropey moments. The red card, I want to make a point about that. It is a stonewall red card. It is violent play. I think Ars uh, Ars blog, that guy, Andrew, very articulately and intelligently made the point that Saka is lucky for where he got kicked because if he takes that kick in another position with the weight on his leg, Instead of taking the leg out from under him, it can snap it. It is as bad as it gets. It is true that if we get the red card, we almost certainly, I would like to think, go on to win that game. It is also true that not getting that red card does not prevent you from going and playing better. It's not like once that moment happened, we could we were no longer capable of playing well and still winning the game. So the red card would have helped us win, and we should have had it. Not getting the red card is not the reason we didn't play better. But Paul, like, there is a point at which the football you play and the positioning of your players is a reflection of your manager and your manager's wishes. When you are central midfielders, when you're playing with inside sort of possession-oriented wide forwards like Saka and Smithrow, right? They're not run the touchline forwards. They're you know they're not. Um, yeah. And, and again, I know we had another forward in, in Pepe, but like the fact that Odegaard and Party made one or two passes to them the whole game. The fact that they were not giving the ball to the forwards, the fact that they, you know, I think tells you a lot about where they're positioned and how they're connecting. When I was looking at the pitch, just zoomed out from being able to to be there as a match-going fan, of course, um, the midfielders don't go up and join the attack. We don't create those, those periods of play where we're parked in their final third. And so the ball goes out wide, and Odegaard and Party sort of stay back, <clears throat> and Aubameyang's in the middle and no one's with him. Now, if you look at the end of the game, when we've subbed midfielders off, and we've brought forwards on, and now Martinelli's on as well, and then you're camped in their final third, and the ball's going into the box, and players are able to spark off each other at least a little bit, you can create that sustained pressure. <clears throat> but I, I, I do think it's worth asking, Paul, are we just not <clears throat> committing enough players to attacking positions? Are the midfielders not pushing up enough? Is is Arteta trying to build a system that balances security and protection in the middle of the park too much over just pushing players forward and being able to have that territorial superiority? I guess I struggle a little bit with what we are. In pressing terms, we don't... You're not alone. Yeah. We don't really press... 
apart from when we do. There's probably 10 minutes at the start of each half where our frontline presses, but that tends to string us out a little bit. And then they can play through us. And Crystal Palace were pretty good at playing through us at times and getting up the pitch and then themselves kind of camping themselves into a horseshoe passing. Um, And then defensively, the challenge is that we're not a proactive defensive team. So uh, we don't intercept. We don't go charging around, pressing aggressively. So somebody like... We're going to have teams like a Crystal Palace who like who like the ball or a Brighton who like the ball who get to pin us in because that's how we defend. It's how we defended last year and this year. And I think it sets us up for these uneven matches where we're all a bit surprised that somebody like a Brighton or a Crystal Palace um, has so much possession for so much of the game because um, it's kind of not a bug. It's a feature. That's how we've basically always defended. That's how we've always kept our cleaner sheets. Can I ask you about that, though, just real quick? If you want to sit a little deeper and play that 4-4-2 off the ball that we play and let our lines compress a little and be more of a low block, which, like, all right, I hate it, but there's more than one way to play football. I still think you have to either be able to then expand quickly when you win it back or keep players forward. When we do that, Paul... I just don't see the exits. I think it was just like Brighton at times where like, I don't think Palace were good, by the way. I really don't. I just don't think we, we, I don't think we're a hard team to play against. I don't think we, after the goal, created situations where Palace would have been too worried that we were going to hurt them when they came on to us. I thought Palace were good. I thought they were not just organized and they pressed. I thought their, generally their build-up play was good. Where they lacked mm. quality is the box and Benteke. Well, they were missing what? Zaha and Eze? And, you know. Yeah, but Benteke actually had a real moment of quality in taking that goal. He did He did wonderfully on that thing. You know, uh, he doesn't do it all the time, but he managed to to pull that out for us. I mean, he, he moved, you know, his movement with and around, uh, around Gabriel, like we can all do better defensively there, but he does really, he takes it uh, and moves it really well. Um Look, the way we defend, when we get the ball, we need to be crisp and clean to play it out. And that's what we really lacked in that first half. When we got the ball back from them, it, they didn't just press us on down our left side, by the way. Uh, they probably loaded the right our right-hand side even more when we were pinned back. Um, and so they had a very clear tactical plan which was to move from the center to the wings to press to put pressure on and we had our chances to play out and again it, it, it the the players who were sloppy on the ball are players you think oh he'll be good with the ball he'll be good with that pass we'll play our way through here they had options i don't really understand why we didn't play out better but when you get the ball and you get it up the wing to pepe and then he spills it after that like if you're sloppy in the final third and you're sloppy playing out, you get that first half we had. And if we're not very good at taking possession and being clean, that's going to be a challenge because we're going to have those periods where we offer them possession, where we sit deeper, where we keep our shape. And if we can't get the ball, play crisp and clean out from the back or up the wings, 
Um, or when we get it up there, we're sloppy as we were on Pepe's side. You, you're really going to struggle in a game to build anything, to build any kind of momentum. We were left to those, as Clive pointed out, those Spurs-type counterattacking moments where we kind of ripped up the middle, but we didn't take advantage of them. Outside of that, you know, we're pretty poor in the first half and the start of the second half. We're, it was pretty stagnant. And if we're not going to be proactive and press and use that as the way to generate our turnovers and our, our creation, if we're going to kind of get the ball back them off, back off them at the back, then it, these smaller possession teams if I can use the term small, our Crystal Palace or Brighton are going to look pretty good against us if we're not clean and crisp when we actually get the ball. Yeah. Um, Clive, do you want to respond to that? I I, I do think, I, j- just as m- my personal response, like about the Palace being good, I'm not saying Palace were bad, by the way. I think it has been overplayed that Palace like outplayed us or something like that. Like I really do think yeah, the problems with the football are Arsenal problems and yeah. not necessarily problems that were, were imposed upon us. They by created pressure, uh, but not the kind of pressure we couldn't. It wasn't Barcelona, kind of 2012 Barcelona pressure. We could have played out from that pressure. Yeah. yeah. I, and, and, and just as a word, and then Clive, you can either respond to the word I'm about to say or not totally fair or just back to what Paul said. But I've been watching Arsenal for a long time now, as crazy as it sounds. I cannot remember an Arsenal that was less effective at just keeping the ball in midfield, playing through central midfield, connecting with midfielders, and and creating some kind of sustained periods of possession in or, or around, as they say, the attacking third. We have too good a set of midfielders and central-type players, players that can drift inside, to be this poor mm. at occupying the ball in central spaces. There's no... It's not a talent. Like, we... I think there's a tendency that we always want the players to be responsible, and, and and they need to be. But they are talented enough for us to be better than this in midfield. That is really, really hard to see, a midfield that was this ineffectual. I mean, Clive, Thomas Party and Martin Odegaard are very good players. They did not influence this game at all. Yeah, and, and a number of players didn't. I think you're, you've got a view of, of, of football, and we don't play that way. I'm afraid, and not made people teams to control those areas because of the risk. We can we lost the ball in central areas twice. We conceded the ball. We conceded to goal. You know, people just don't do that anymore. They progress in wide areas and they do it that way around. Underlap, overlap. That's what that's what we do. And um, I think one of the big things that's missing in this game was our ability to tackle. You know, we, if we are going to be a transition team, we need to invest in people who can dispossess. And I was one that said. Odegaard is on the ball in my mind. He should have played deeper. And that was the right in my thought. Let's get him on the ball, have some good build-up play. But actually, our ability to tackle, screen, recover, recover the ball, every time we did it, we looked really dangerous. We didn't There's do it a enough. pass in the first half, Clive, where you remember the, the pass from uh, Kovacic to Lukaku up our middle uh, right at... Uh, uh, Pablo Mari, there was a moment just like that where Palace did the same thing up between Party and Odegaard. There was a, a gap a mile wide, right up to Benteke with Gabriel. Uh, and Benteke turns around and takes a shot. It w- was nothing spectacular, but it was like, 
what is going on that there's the barn to, door up the middle is that wide open? Yeah, I, I don't like this. I'll be honest with you. I'm, I'm a double pivot guy. I, I can understand. There are, there are, in my mind's eye, a four three three is the way to go because that's what everyone says. But I'm a pragmatist, and I like I like two in front. Simple as that. Yeah. I like to see a, a core pass. Yeah, that's my view, right? It doesn't mean you got to follow my view. Um, I, I think um, the ability to engage and tackle is very important to this Arsenal team, just due to the forwards that we have. And Elliot, your point about midfielders playing well. Okay, Saka didn't play well in this game. Odegaard was, you know, didn't play well in this game. Smithrow, I watched, you know, and I looked at him and thought, "Wow, your touch and when you're hot, you you are some player, mate." They fizzed the ball at him. His touch was amazing. He turned around, so energetic, until he wasn't, which was normally about sixty minutes. To be fair, though, right? his problem was in the final third, right? He made bad decisions. No, he it, shot. That, or that his was final that ball. was a gen. That was a problem. We're asking to be a number eight, and what we are playing with is a number eight with two number tens ahead of him. That's what we are doing. We're not playing a number six with two number eights. We're playing a number eight with two number tens ahead of him. And we're expecting that to work. On paper, it looks great. In reality, we were not two-way enough. We were not all-round enough. Conor Gallagher's a number eight. McCarthy's a number eight. Proper midfielders that understand the role two ways. They're not number tens dropping in trying to do a job. Right? So on paper, it looks great. But I'm sorry, Odegaard was done by Gallagher completely, and that's the truth, right? So, um, and so we got we got a balance issue there, really. If we're going to compete with teams that do want to go through the midfield, and Aston Villa will want to go through the midfield, and we can't put that midfield out again. That's for true. That is, I'm telling you that that cannot happen, right? So, we need to get the balance right so we can become more two way. We can engage, and then that suits the forwards that we have on the pitch. Where all sprinters want to show you their arse. We get the ball, you see their backside, you see their shorts running away from you. Right, so the only person that rolled off the front line was our man Lacazette. As soon as he comes up, rolls off the front line, build up play started. Upset, round the corner, first time, or set back through second phase. Right, so if you're going to have those sprinty falls like Bamiang and Pepe, then you better make sure you have a tackler in the base of your team that you can win the ball, engage, and then transition and break through people. And that's, and that's just it. It's a balancing versus how you want to play thing. I'm almost looking at to try and disregard how we want to play, but it's becoming quite clear to me now, really, when I think about it. I was speaking to Phil Costa earlier on. The DNA of our team is we are a transition team. We are a broken play team. That's when we get excited. That's when the crowd stands up. Mm. As soon as we start sprinting and moving at pace, we're on as good as anybody. But when we build up slow and we get blocked off inside air, inside spaces and we can't do our diamonds, we can't switch point of the attack, we haven't got that next thing. We haven't got the ability to go over the press like Brighton. We haven't got that central pivot. And that's the next phase of Arsenal. Because if you block off the sides, we can say, all right, we've got, we have a Lukaku-type striker. We'll go to him then. We'll get around him. Now what are you going to do? We haven't got that at the moment. We haven't got all of those attributes. So we tend to be a team that is better in unstructured football. You know, so, and when it goes wrong, we all, we all pine for structure. We pine for the structure of Shaka. We pine for the structure of Lacazette. We pine for these structural men to take us through these dark moments when really we are a team of players who are exclamation points. Pepe, last point player, last pass player. We've got a group of last pass attacking midfielder stroke forwards that don't offer us the structure through dark moments. And that's why we fall away and we end up falling away and defending by numbers 
being close together. And that's what mm-hmm. tends to happen when you watch Arsenal. Yeah, well, all right. There's there's some challenging things I think we still have to get to here. Um, and I, I think it's going to be unavoidable. And maybe we can avoid it because it is our podcast. I think it's somewhat unavoidable, the comparisons that will be made between Vieira being relatively new at Palace and the changes he's made with the way they play and the effectiveness of that. And I think the effectiveness, to be fair, has been overstated a bit, but even you know missing some of his best talent and another relatively young manager, younger, to be fair, um, maybe struggling to find what he wants to do with a team that he's been in charge of for almost two years. And that's something I want to talk about. But before we talk about that, this week, <clears throat> I took probably more pictures than I have ever taken in my life. And let me tell you something, guys. Uh, I have a face for radio. Those of you who have been on social media or met me know that now. But when you take a picture, <clears throat> you just you just want to have that right smile, don't you? Well, I think you know where this is going. The best way to get that right smile is to have those straight teeth. The best way to get straight teeth is not to have a mouthful of metal. It's to have invisible, comfortable, removable aligners. And the best place to get them is from Candid. Candidly, they're the best. That's why the name is Candid. Also because you have those candid photos. Which, let's face it, if you have a good smile, that helps. So, why Candid? Why would you go with them, specifically? Because they are the only aligner company that works with actual licensed orthodontists. Orthodontists are experts in tooth movement, right? So, you have these other companies that just have some doc, some uh, dentist you know, on the payroll. But your treatment is prescribed and monitored by a licensed orthodentist. Orthodentist? Nope, that's wrong. Orthodontist. <clears throat> you can tell, still struggling with the jet lag and the lack of sleep, and the fact that I got up at 5 a.m., uh, pardon me, went to bed at 5 a.m. for a, a, a wake up at 6.50. Anyway, you can book an appointment at the Candid Studio near you or do everything from the comfort and convenience of your own home. Imagine that. Don't have to leave. You get the aligners, they straighten your teeth. The average Candid treatment's just six months. You'll start seeing results before that, and it costs thousands less than braces. Like, it's one thing when you're like, oh, I could save a couple hundred couple hundred quid, as they say, but thousands less than traditional braces. And with your aligner treatment, you'll get Candid's teeth whitening free. So whiter, straighter teeth. Um, You know, I I think, again, as someone who had to take pictures and is not built for having pictures of me taken, you definitely look at your smile and you're like, okay, that's what people notice. So get yourself a straight smile and then come out to me to set our next event and smile a lot. We'll take lots of pictures. Right now, you can save $75 on the starter kit when you get started from home. Or you can book an appointment at Candid Studio today. Go to candidco.com slash visions. That's candidco.com slash vision. Candidco.com slash vision. And use code vision. Slash vision, code vision. It's all vision, all the time. That's candidco, candidco.com slash vision, code vision. Take advantage of this limited time offer to save $75 on your starter kit. Candidco.com slash vision, code vision. Go there now. Get your teeth straight. Clive, get off mic, buddy. I need to ask you. Is that enough of that? Yes, I was. I'm ready to talk football, mate. I, I, I'm not yeah, sure we're going to have enough fun. time. I got, I got loads. Too much football to talk about. All right. Well, well, Paul, I, I got I got loads to talk about as well. Let's do let's do their goals real quick, though. Yeah. Um, I mean, look, it's a turnover from Party. He wants to take it. You know that little outside of the foot flick and turn. He got caught doing that a couple of times. I mean, it wasn't a great yeah. game for the central midfield in general. Also, I I do think, frankly the lack of proximity and the lack of support of the midfielders for each other and Odegaard in particular watching from the ground. One thing that I did is I was kind of curious why the midfield wasn't working. So I just sort of watched Odegaard a lot. We did not pay the money we paid for Martin Odegaard to be 
a central midfielder. I can't believe that. And maybe he has the talent and the touch and the, the skill set to do it over time. I just don't think that's who he is. And he did not look like he knew where he was supposed to be. Off mm. the ball, on the ball, he didn't. And so maybe Party got caught a bit more because he was isolated. Because, you know, it's easier to, to take the ball off someone when he doesn't have a partner he can wall pass with, as Clive mentioned. But he loses it once. Sammy Lukonga, who came on, and I thought for the first time since we've seen him, really did look like a 21-year-old who needs to be a little more physical, a little more savvy about the league, a little more up-to-tempo, um, lost the ball. But those errors are recoverable, if not from the errors, I think, from the center backs. Gabriel can do better than what he does with Benteke, and I think Ben White just dropping off and dropping off and dropping off and not shading um, Edward onto his stronger foot. Not great moments. So do you want to maybe just quickly summarize how you sort of, I, I hate to say apportion blame, but you know where I'm going with this, right? Like, what's your analysis of the the errors that led to those two goals? Because for all of Palace's quality, and again, I mean, you thought they were better than I did, I think, it's not that they cut us open. It's that we really, I think, had two moments of just poor individual play. Yeah, like I'm not saying Crystal Palace are a high-quality team, <clears throat> but they're young, they're energetic, they're organized, uh, and they have a way of playing, and they're good in possession. Um, and like both goals are them uh, fully loaded up to press us. Um, it, like a quick reflection on Chaka. Not a huge point here, but he gets a lot of flack for his one or two uh, red mist moments every year where, in, where he costs us or a, a slow back pass. Well, here's two guys who got caught on, on the ball in midfield. You know, it does happen. And it, it, my only point here is that we kind of got well, somehow the Chaka moments stick in our mind more than others, but they do happen. Uh, parties one in particular like if he scans a little more, he'll realize <clears throat> that that the guy's bearing down on him. And he has an easy out pass to, I think it's Tommy Asso and one of the center backs, but he's not aware. He's not sharp. Um, but he had options. And I agree with you. There's a lot that happens after that, but, but you don't drop yourself in it. Then on the Sambi one, I mean, it's a foul. The guy doesn't get the ball. He plays... Uh, I think it's uh, Gallagher. He plays through Sambi and bowls him over. The problem is, as he said, he's a, he's got the build of a 21-year-old. And so getting bowled over means totally losing the ball in midfield and then they run through us. But they have a long way to go from there to score a goal <clears throat> and they move it out. You know, they from their side, they move it well. They move it out nicely. Uh, to the right, he's got an overlapping player, which maybe has Ben White in a little bit of two minds plus it's not Ben White's side so maybe he hasn't got his positioning uh quite right and he's he's not as sure as of himself but as I've said to you many times before you'll have moments where you think is Ben White really a center back because he's still learning and I think that's a classic he didn't have the center back instinct to keep to stay big to close him mm -hmm. down to to kind of draw a line and, and stop the guy at the edge of the box before he gets himself into big trouble. And uh, he kind of opens up the, the, the shot for him as he, as he turns. Uh, you know, he, he's, he, he's kind of like a defensive midfielder in terms of how he fronts up to some of those situations. And he'll get better over time. But mm -hmm. I, I think we'll see moments where we say, that wasn't very center-backy. Um, and I think that was one of them.
Yeah. We uh we are going to get on to I think some we're going to finish with some difficult questions about Mikel, but unfortunately maybe doing that without Paul is that just about it for you? Uh, no, I probably got another 15 minutes. Oh, great. Okay, perfect. Um, Clive, do you want to add Those anything? Two on, on- goals did kind of kill us in that second half, though. I mean, Jesus. Yeah. I know I know we weren't all there, but we like, unlike the first, uh, the end of the first half or the kind of middle to end of the first half, it was all us in the first, in the second half. It, it may not have been into the box, but it was all us had we not. Fucked it up. It, with those it two totally goals. changed when Lacazette came on, and whether you, whether you're just going by the eye test, as as I was, and then the the data that I saw after, like everything points to that. Our threat a colossal can, difference. Well, Lacazette brought threat to it, but we were dominant in the second half. I mean, it was all us. But but yeah. here's the funny thing, right? Like the, the fact that taking <laughs> off a central midfielder for a striker can allow you to be more dominant, have more advanced possession. Like it just shows you how little we use our midfield. Like there, there's a part, part of me that says like, if you have no interest in using the midfield, why even play one? <laughs> but like, sorry, Clive, sounds like you uh, you had more on, on maybe their goals. Yeah, um, I think you have to remember when Lacazette came on, we could then play wide and play central and he just used himself as a bounce board. So we could use that angle and and they weren't ready for it, right? So that means all our sprinters around him become better players immediately. So that, that was a big thing. And also on top of that, you know, I can see you want to eulogize over Patrick Vieira. And by the way, I, I love the man, right? So, mm-hmm. however, I'm not going to make out that he's the next Pep Guardiola because in this situation... He made a substitution, bringing on Tompkins late in the game, sat in his own box, and maybe cost himself the points by not going out there and going to get the game. I hate to invoke this, but it felt like a very Emery kind of substitution, you know, yeah, where you have maybe a bit of the impetus and you instead you go for safety. Yeah, yeah. They start looking at the scoreboard, right? Dropped into the mm-hmm. box, and they conceded. And, and I'm telling you now, I watched the game today again, and we were in charge of that game at the start of the second half. They sure. scored against the round of the play, and then the second goal, we were having corners, we were getting pressure, we were getting sure. shots. Lacazette had a shot, just tipped around the post. We had the corner, and from that corner, corner we didn't recycle it well and they jumped us and executed brilliantly on the break and then sat in their box again so our shot volume increased after Lacazette came on because they did not engage us as high as they were before and they weren't really pressing that high anyway they they just waited for the square pass because we were dumb and slow and we didn't have the ingenuity (laughs) of Odegaard in particular and and I'm sorry Lance I'm you know we, we love our players and I love them right we we lack legs late in games. We fade. We have we have stretches. We have cramps. We we we've got one hour players, mate. One hour players that play in purple moments, right? So, and I, you know, I watch Smith. I watch him fade. I watch Saka fade in games. I watch them. They're still young men. They are still young men. We have so much responsibility on them, right? So, Tierney always struggling with his fitness late in games. Party late in game struggling. Odegaard fades in games. You know, this is what's happening week on week on week. You know, we and I hear people say, Oh, we've got this great squad, we got this fifth best squad and all this. No, 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 we got a developing squad with people still learning to manage ninety minutes of football. Hence why I call us a punk rock team. We play in short bursts. You know, so if we if that's who we are, then maybe we need to start being it. And stop trying to be his possession team that can wear people down over 90 minutes. Let's just start jumping on people, getting the ball, and passing it to our sprinter killer forwards. 
Mm. You know, maybe we need to start being who we actually are. I may be a bit home biased. I'm going to start going to away games soon, and I want to have a look at away games and see how they feel from the, from the ground. You know, because I know how we feel at home, but it's a different ball game away. I want to see how we feel. But that's what I'm seeing at home, and and I'm and I'm I'm doing a little thoughts in my head, and, I, and I'm I, f- I feel quite sure about this. This is who we are. And we have been for a while, by the way. Even in Emory times, we played in bursts. We couldn't do full halves of football. So we just played one half of football, then stopped. You know, this is something we need to bring into our team. And I'm not sure how we're going to do it. Part of that's quality. Part of that's maturity. Part of that's experience. Game management. And some of that's part of that's the manager as well, about how we game manage. You know, I think it's a collective thing. But it's happened over a couple of managers. It's happened a lot with this group. But we've changed this group. So what we're seeing now is far more control from our centre-backs, far better decisions. But teams wait in the mid-block and they wait and they wait and they block and everyone's doing it to each other. Some days we'll get through and some days we won't. Three ways to be at press. You heard me say it. You go around, you go through, you go over. We can't go over at the moment. And as soon as we can, then these teams have got to start thinking about how they play against us. Yeah, I, I'm starting to really wonder if the plan makes sense, though. I think there's several elements of it that, as I watch, I struggle. For, I mean, first of all, let's just go to the most basic, the aesthetics. There are really three levels to being a football supporter. The results, the tactics, and the aesthetics, right? Like, the results, we win every game, who cares? You know, the tactics, what... You know, you you do so well, Clive and Paul and Tim, like really getting into where the players are positioned to what we're trying in the intellectual side of it. The third is the aesthetics. Do I like watching this? Is this entertaining? Is this pleasing on the eye? I think the results, at least over the last little period of time, have been satisfactory, certainly. The tactics are something we debate endlessly, but I don't think the aesthetics can be debated. I don't see football that is going to delight. You talk about it being sort of rock and roll football works in moments. I mean, against Spurs, we had the three moments, and in a derby, when that happens, you're going to be thrilled. But apart from that, it's it's extremely utilitarian. It's extremely functional. And I think the problem, Paul, is that this football makes the margins so slim. You know, watch the Liverpool-Watford game, and we're not Liverpool, and Palace aren't Watford. I get it. But they just own the ball in the attacking third. That's just where they live. You're not getting it out of there. They're going to be in there. They're going to push all the city city do it. I think even more intensely in a way, they just say, we're just going to put 11 players in the attacking third. And if you can get around us, God bless you. And you can't now I'm not saying we're supposed to be those teams. We're not, but like there is no territorial dominance and the distances don't look right for one-touch football. And then I see, you know, Lacazette come on and a midfielder go off and Martinelli come on. And, you know, we have an actual sort of wide attacker. And, I, you know, I thought, I'm not saying he was great or anything, but he looked at least a little more direct. Arteta watches training, Paul. He's there every day. He watches the games. When he looks at the film of this, when he looks at the film of the Brighton game, what is he seeing? I mean, is it time for a rethink about how we play? Because it's not the manager's job to care about aesthetics, so set that aside. But in terms of not making these games such fine margins where everything has to just go right, where we can be a little bit more territorially dominant, because you can say whatever you want about the players, and I think Clive is right about what he said. The team we put out is better than Palace's team. That's not to denigrate them. But 
to not be able to have a little bit more possession and control, especially when leading against that Palace team, I think it at least hints at the idea that the approach isn't the right approach. Or maybe I'm just looking for reasons to be frustrated. But I, you know, I think it's several games now where you would say we, we don't have the ability to really, um, to really make it hard for the opposition. Like, do you get the sense that that opponents don't like playing against us? That it's unpleasant, or is it maybe? Just a little too easy, you know, a little too comfortable. It's a little too easy. I was massively frustrated and bummed after this game. I had a good 48 hours where I was like, fuck. You can I just say something really funny? Good. I had yeah. the opposite experience because I got to punch the air, celebrate the equalizer, march off to the Tollington, get drunk till 5 a.m. So it wasn't until like a hungover, you know, 10-hour mm. journey on the plane thinking about the football that I actually was able to get back to my normal state of mind. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's yeah. the main thing. Yeah. Um, so, um, but as I look at it, I have to say, you got to take it. Well, I got to take a step back. This is still a very young team. Um, our biggest crime was that first half, backing off after yeah. we got our goal, yeah, letting them into it. I'm, I'm with Clive on the second half. We had the upper hand all the way through this game. We gave them two in the second half. We gave them two cheap goals we were we didn't really take off a midfielder for an attacker in this game if by that we mean Odegaard in that he was in the second half we were playing 4-2-3-1 and he was the 10 Sambi Lakanga was actually the guy who was ball dominant between him and party uh maybe it was a lot of stuff up to Tierney or whatever the the main issue was before Lacazette came on we had no threat into the box. We were dominating the game. We were dominating possession. We were horseshoeing it. We had triangles left and right, uh, but no real threat. And I just can't get away from Lacazette. So some of our best games last year were Lacazette dropping in and then getting back into the box. And yes, he's not perfect and he's not the best striker in the league. But if we're going to have disconnected tri triangles on either side, if you're going to have Saka, if I said, which striker do you picture making the connections with Saka and Smith Rowe to carve open a defense and get us into the box and be threatening? There's only one of the two of them you got to pick, uh, and that's Lacazette. But that opens up a whole other can of worms, which is Aubameyang's our man. Um so I'm just very confused about what we are and what we're going to do. And I hear, uh, uh, like, I, I see what Clive's saying in terms of when are we most alive, um, this kind of counterattacking, uh, pouncing on a chance and streaking forward. But I still think we're very much in the 4-2-3-1 mode um, in terms of how we play, how we will play. And I got loads of questions, and I don't, I don't know what the answers are here. I find it it's worrying because I don't know what we're going to try and do. I'm not convinced I know what we should do. Um, we got the players to be a much more pressing and aggressive team. Um, but the striker thing is just such a question for me because Lacazette solves mm -hmm. all sorts of problems, uh, but he creates the issue of, uh, uh, you know, do we... Do we push Aubameyang back to the left? I don't think we want to see that again. Um, 
I just, I, I have more you, questions than answers. Well, I you, out, you want to hear something shocking? Crown, yeah. I walked out of the crown thinking it's time for Lacazette to come back in and Aubameyang back out on the left. And I know as soon as we don't score a goal, it's going to be yeah. lack of creativity. We can't have Aubameyang out on the left, blah, blah, blah. We're trying to solve a problem that's basically personnel-based, really. And in, some people may say it's coaching-based. That, that's absolutely fine. But the striker we need is a, is a hybrid of both players. That's what we need, right? And we haven't got that, right? So we need somebody that's six foot one, six foot two, sort of a similar build to a Babiang, maybe a little bit stronger, and but has the ability to post up and c- combine, but also run over the uh, run around the sides and the channels like a Babiang does, but has that post up connectivity ability of Lacazette. We need that player to be molded into one. That player isn't in the club. And hasn't yeah. been in the club for a number of That's years. That's right. And we are mixing and matching and shaking and baking. And one game we do one thing right, another game we do another thing right. Another one game we're happy. And when it doesn't work, we say, we haven't got this, we haven't got that, we haven't got this. It's personnel-based. This team needs a pivot. Yeah. And, even, and, this, and even more so now, because we are the youngest team in the league. So you need somebody that gives you offensive structure and direction. But this team needs it. Aubameyang played his heart out. Absolutely played his heart. By the way, no one else in the league scores that goal at that post. Yeah, No one else scores that goal. No one even recognized that could even happen. He's well covered when the shot is taken. And his awareness and instinct and burst to get beyond the man marking him so he can get in a position to score that, he deserves huge credit for it, Clive. Yeah. Um, can, I, can, can I just tell you some shocking stuff, though? To, to Paul's point about where this game is kind of lost is in that 30 minutes from the 15th to the 45th after we score the goal. And this is crazy, okay? We had 64 final third entries in this game, which is fine, okay? Guess how many we had from the 15th minute to the 45th minute? Five. Five of the 64. After we score that goal, we do not attack really again. During that period, we only had nine possessions where we strung three passes together or more. I mean, we were not passing out. We were not keeping the ball. We were not attacking. And that's the quality issue I was trying to say. And when you look at where they break down, they're not the hardest passes. And, you know, it's not one guy. It's a bunch of guys. I don't know why the quality gets flushed down the toilet all of a sudden. But so, so let me address that then. You look at like a Brentford. I don't think anyone would say Brentford has the best team in the league, but they are hell to play against. Brighton are hell to play against. Okay. Arsenal's defensive actions per minute of opposition possession. In other words, like the number of times we make an interception or attack or something per minute of their possession. We are 19th in the league. Second fewest defensive actions per minute the opposition has it. Passes allowed per defensive action. 15th in the league. The time that Arsenal has won the ball back after applying pressure, we are dead last at that. And we are third worst in terms of the expected passing of the other team. In other words, they're able to complete their passes at a higher rate than against anyone but two other teams. Why do I bring this up? Well, that's what I was talking about earlier, right? But but Paul, you know what these stats say to me? That we are an easy team to play against. That when you go up against us, you're not going to have a hard day of, of giving your passes away and running back to your goal frantically or being pinned back or having to make quick decisions. We're giving Premier League footballers more time than anyone in the league to pick their passes and make their choices. And that's just an easy day at the ground, you know? 
Yeah, I think I think as I was saying earlier, I don't know if you, I don't know if you caught this bit earlier. Mm-hmm. I said we're actually playing yeah, really. with a number eight and two number tens yes. in yep. central mm-hmm. midfield. One guy there makes tackles. That's it, right? So so your passes per defensive action. Ooh, mm-hmm. why, we've got Saka and we've got Pepe as well. That's mm-hmm. a lot of attacking players, and so I, I sent a tweet out today about a chance that we butchered on on the transition. Uh, when Smith Rowe took a shot, when Pepe is in on the right hand side, and and um, it's like the focus is on that in my mind because we are an attacking transition team and we need these goals because we defend with spacing, and then we absolutely have to have the ability to then break from those situations. Now, I'm not saying I want to see us do this. I'm just saying what I'm seeing on a regular basis. You know, we drop into a mid to low, and then we break and we play through. And this is what we're doing. Now, is that the plan? I don't know. Is that what we're forced to do with the personnel? I'm, I'm not too sure. Even even against Spurs, we, they loaded us, we dropped, we nicked it, we turned around, and we played through. Right, and they were dumb enough to put no midfield in place, but we played through them. Right, this is what we do against Burnley last quarter. How many times do we get it, win it, play through, sprint through, run through, carry through? I thought Athletic could be worked strong in this game towards the end, and something we should be thinking about, particularly against Villa, who are a hard running team, and Palace are a very hard running team. You know, but what have Palace done? I tell you what, they've done straight away. The first thing he done is he came in and changed his centre backs. He brought in two ball-playing centre-backs. And then he put his captain, Milahovic, I'm not sure I got his name right, mm-hmm. and, um, and MacArthur, they put them there, bang, dogs, create that square. Conor Gallagher floating, very hard-working and, and industrious. Andre, are you so industrious off the right-hand side? Normally Sahar's off the left, but Edouard played really, really well, did a great impersonation of him and was really did well at carrying and the ability to travel and arrive was really good. And Benteke is that focal point. So when they were under pressure, they could go to him long down the sides and create a bit of breathing space. They pushed Tyreek Mitchell up left high on the elbow, play the back three and build up. You know, it's not rocket science. It starts at the back door, the centre-backs. That gives you possession. The top four possession people in this game with the most touches were the four centre-backs on the pitch. Football is changing. We're not pinning people back like we used to do in the old days. I get it. I'd love to see it. Lots of touches and Wilshire flick it around the corner and lots of lovely goals. That's not where we are. We haven't got the full balance that we need. This is where we are. So my challenge really and my, my worry is, this is what I'm starting to see. Do we be it or do we work this through with people in the wrong places that are not the right, quite balanced to get this ideal of football that I don't think we're quite ready for yet? You know, so on a, to give us the consistency that we need. You know, not we so, can get results this way, but we're going to win one, lose one. That's not what we want. We want to get in the top six, right? So yeah, this is the challenge that we have. And this is why I think it's going to cause friction next few weeks. And, and look, I, I have to admit, my brain is a little scrambled because I, I am dealing with some decent jet lag and like I'm, I'm trying to re reconnect in my mind the memories of a game that, you know, were sort of viewed through a bit of a boozy lens. But like, and you might say, well, that's about as clear-headed as usual, which would be fair. But I just, the foot, this was the first performance I got to really look at from this perspective and looking at the positioning of the players on the pitch and our willingness to be passive and sink back and our 
inability to connect to the midfield or push those players forward so that, you know, what happens when your central midfielders step five, 10 yards forward? Well, then Saka and Smith-Rowe are more forward and uh, Pepe and Tierney are more forward. If you want to play on that elbow, as you said, Clive's at it, right? On the, the elbow? Yeah, I saw a video yep. that described it really yep. well this week by a guy called James, I think James Alcock or something like that his name is. Mm-hmm. I know the tactic because we've been doing it for two years, but they call it it's on the elbow. The tac- it's not the tactic though, right? It's way, like, here's the funny thing about tactics. You can, you can, pressing is a tactic. There are different ways to do it. On the elbow, fine. Like where, Tier- where Tamiyasu makes a three at the back and you build in a three, two, five. Like, but where we do it, the depth of the midfield and the width of the forwards and the, the evacuation of the central spaces, the the willingness to just totally abandon that part of the pitch. I watched this and I thought, forget that the players are young and forget that they're learning and forget all of that stuff. That's all important. But like, I didn't see a system that to me is set up to allow us to, to evolve into dominating games and making life really difficult for the opposition. And while I don't, again, I don't think Palace were brilliant. I don't think they dominated us. I don't think they outplayed us even. Until that very end where we're chasing the goal and until Lacazette came on, I don't think we we were making this hard for them particularly. And, you know, that means there's going to be a lot more games. There's going to be a lot of nil-nils for Arsenal this season on the basis of what I saw. I actually think we defend pretty well, by and large. I think our organization off the ball defensively is fine. Passive, think, but fine. Yeah. Can, can I tell you one last thing? One thing, uh, I think your point about being easy to play in games, I think, the balance of player maybe is, is part of that. I don't, you know, on mm. this day maybe we, we didn't we were weren't quite robust enough in central areas. But I I, I walked out of the ground pretty disappointed, Elliot. If I'm honest with you, and fair enough after oh, seeing the game. I was doing great at that point. <laughs> <laughs> after after this point, I was really perplexed actually. And I, I sort of said to James before the game, I'm a bit worried about this game because I know what Arsenal are like when we have a big win over Spurs, we celebrate for a week, take loads of selfies, and then hmm. we don't win for a month. Right, so we do it every season, right? You know, we beat Chelsea three 0 once, not last year, year before, a few years back when Conti was there. We done the Man United game three 0 We beat Spurs five two, and we celebrate. We don't win, right? So, so I was worried about this game, but we always, we, Palace are always a challenge for us. But when I watched it again today, I was less worried because I didn't think Palace were that good, and I thought, okay, I know what this is now. I, I know our movement was not proactive enough. And I don't go into watching football thinking I want us to dominate. I go into football hoping that we're going to execute and be the team and hopefully show a bit of an identity that's consistent. And I think we've lost a little bit of that. While we're now having to reform our midfield again without Shaka being there. Yeah, you know, that's fair. Mm-hmm. We're having to reform it again, right? So, it, before the season, I said you said our number one most experienced partnership is a two twenty-eight year olds in centre midfield, mm-hmm. and that's broken. Just for three points versus Spurs, I'd, you know, I might have a draw the game and have, and have that structure there. I'll tell you now because I don't think I really mean that because I love that day. But, but you know what I'm saying? It's important that player offering us. This team needs that player. It needs that. And we're trying, we, we've now got to find a way to solution around that not being there. And there's a number of solutions right. that are available for us. Well, that that's the next thing, right? So, Paul, like, I think there's just a lot of interesting positional questions. Oh, you, you, you have to go, unfortunately. Oh, i got a couple uh, more minutes. Okay. I'll, I'll do interesting a short positional questions yeah. that I think are, are causing us trouble. Like, for example, if we're going to play, like the Smith-Rowe-Odegaard thing is interesting to me. I'm mm. sort of starting to think now that it should be one or the other 
And I realize that's difficult because they're players that overall we really like. They're young. They have a bright future. I still think, you know, maybe if we bring Lacazette back on, back in and, and Obama Young plays left, that's the solution. But I feel like the you need a forward who is more direct. We, we are playing what we did in this game, you know, with, with Smith Rowe and Saka. They are sort of possession-oriented forwards who it's not that they can't provide end product. We've seen them do it. Do we need a more direct player like a Martinelli? Do we need someone who is more determined to get into the box or put the ball in the box, feed it in there, get our, you know, really play with more of a number 10 instead of Odegaard, go back to a, you know, while he's out, you know, while Shaq is out, a Sambian and party with one of Smithrow or Odegaard positioned in front of them, connecting it to more direct strike uh, uh, forwards like Aubameyang, Martinelli, Lacazette can be a focal point. Because I, I just can't help but think, there are not enough players on the pitch also who are sort of driven to just get in the box, get around the box, put the ball into the box, be connecting to that. When it works, like when we're playing well, you see those three, four, five guys in the box at the end of moves making runs. When it doesn't, that area, there just doesn't seem to be a lot of access to it. And that's what I noticed in this game. So does he have to sort of rethink the pro- player profiles for those, those wider positions? I, I think he's also got the challenge that like, Pepe created both of these goals in a sense. But I think Saka looks a lot better when he's on the right and and influences the game more because between creating the goals, Pepe was kind of a mess. So, I mean, does he have a lot of rethinks to make there in terms of how he, the, the profiles he picks for the f- forward line? Yeah, I think so. I think there's a lot of almost players in almost positions here. M- mostly my sense, and maybe this is just recency of the, of this particular game, but I'm with Clive that... Our biggest issue, if you're going to get into the middle, if you're going to get into the box, if you're going to connect our possession up the sides, I mean, that that is like, if you look in the second half, part of the reason we don't threaten the boxes, that's where Crystal Palace is. They're organized and they're structured and they're in the middle. And it's until Lacazette comes in and gives us, turns our triangle on the left into a, or we got left a quadrangle. Uh, <laughs> that, that's uh, a square. <laughs> oh, okay. Uh, or a or square. A I guess, yeah. yeah, yeah. Or a one. Diamond. Yeah. Oh, a diamond. Okay. Mm. Um, a quadrilateral. Um, so uh, without that extra player, um, you know, and that's not really Aubameyang. I mean, he can do it, but when Lacazette does it well, it's night and day. Um, I think we're at, like. We have the personnel to play that more opportunistic pressing, counter-attacking, pouncing on them style that maybe uh, uh, I'm probably butchering it, but that Clive's alluding to. But for as long as we're something like a 4-2-3-1 team looking to have possession, I I did a deep dive into Odegaard before he joined us. He's never really played as a midfielder. He's a 10. Uh, or he's a very, or if we're playing an eight, two eights in a kind of V, he's the more attacking of those two eights. Um, his his biggest attributes are pressing the opposition. That's where he'll really do some work for you. And we've seen that time and time again. He'll tirelessly hound their back line. And we got a lot of joy out of that with Aubameyang and Odegaard in the first half. Somehow he was he he ended up being up there quite high quite often. Um, 
that's where you get the most out of Odegaard. And you want him over in that right corner, forming triangles with probably Lacazette in the middle. And Aubameyang suits a more... If he's playing through the middle, he suits a more counter-attacking style, which I don't think that's what we're doing at the moment. So now we're back to that dilemma and a lot of halfway players. I prefer Pepe from the left. Uh, I'm pretty frustrated with him generally from the right. Much prefer Saka on the right. So, but like lots of selection choices, but maybe that's like, maybe you just lean into the fact that we don't get overly hung up on our 11, that there's two or three players that will come on to impact it later on in the game, that uh, Aubameyang from the left is okay and we can bring on, uh, I don't think Martinelli's the answer right now. Um, Mm -hmm. I don't think he solves our problem unless we're playing a much more counter-attacking style. Um, I don't think, you know, I don't see that him on the left or Pepe on the left is is that much of a difference for us. Uh, But this idea that Pepe starts on the right, that we're playing with the three with Odegaard, I think that hopefully that's dead. Um, The only thing I liked about it was he has the left foot curler up the wing, but we didn't get to take advantage of it. We still have the problem that Tierney's disconnected and inconsistent. And I don't think, Tierney's really changed. I think it's who we've got around him, who's overlapping him, who's connecting with him. And uh, I think you get Sambi and Party close together in midfield so they can connect and learn to build some some uh, relationship and rapport there. Sambi's very good under pressure, I think. If those two guys know who's around them and and kind of have the, uh, the allies in the back of their head, and get comfortable to those two guys there being there, then they'll stop making those dumb mistakes. Don't push Sambi out to the uh, back left uh, uh, full back position and be a little bit more regular in your four two three one with Odegaard. Get Pepe on the right, probably Lacazette through the middle, and Aubameyang on the left. Or fine, start some ga- games with Aubameyang through the middle and put Pepe on the left or whoever you want to put there. But I, I. I that's it for me. I wouldn't. I wouldn't make too many changes from a straight up four two three one with those two as our pivot, Sambi and and Party. Let them build relationships. Let them absorb pressure because those two can play out of pressure if they know who's around them. Um, mm-hmm. and and lean into our ball playing back line, and you know get Tierney some form. The problem with Tierney as well is that you know he's turned into a cross machine. And we don't have anybody in the box to cross. So you've really got to get him a partner like we've seen with Smith Rowe uh, or Pepe up that side who can link with him and form intelligent triangles. Pepe's good from the left for getting into the box too. Like if you want it from Martinelli, you can get it from Pepe. We've seen him play on the left. And for whatever reasons, he's quite comfortable coming into the box. I'm going to tell you why. Yeah. I thought I thought about that. Well, I'll let you go, and then you can yeah. listen offline and and find out why. Uh, okay. Paul's on Twitter. Pause my pants. Thanks, pause. Woohoo! So, Clive, I think this is one thing where there's a, a little bit of not misunderstanding. I'm going to say misunderstanding, and if you hear that as who the hell do you think you are, Elliot? You're probably hearing it right, but like about how we evaluate our forwards too, because a lot of people are really frustrated with Pepe, and I am in that group, by the way. And I am not going to sit here and pretend that he's been great. Pepe is playing in our system the position that you would normally see played by a right back in a more traditional 4-4-2. 
you don't see um you don't see a lot of people criticize right backs for not beating two men when they're isolated on the wing. But realize Tomiyasu is not overlapping, right? He's not in the right half space. Our five attacking lanes are our left back, our left forward, our striker, our right forward. Uh, uh, pardon me, our let me just say the names because it'll be easier for me that way, right? It's Tierney. In this game, it was Saka. It's Aubameyang. It's Smith Rowe. And it's Pepe. It's Smith Rowe that's really playing in the right forward position in that respect. And Pepe playing almost in what would be the right back type position. And so this has ramifications for how we see them and why Paul says for some reason Pepe can access the box more when he's playing on the left. It's because he's not playing left back. He's playing that inside left forward role instead of the outside right forward role. And Clive, there's a part of me that wonders when it's not working, is the better switch Tomiyasu off and an overlapping fullback on? And you that's, go that's more because traditional. You, that's because you like overlapping fullbacks. Well, I'm right? not saying so, you do that from the start, but I'm saying like, like th- this, that to me is one of the critical components into why the forwards we want nearer the box, like a Pepe, can't get nearer the box because he's playing on the most outside channel. Yeah, that's what, that's what. Yeah, and when he plays on left, he plays on the fourth channel. So right, know, that's a, that's my point. Yeah. So yeah, so we said that. I, I suppose it's one way of playing. I, I can only say what we're doing, right? So um, I try not to impose what I'd like to see on on, on but us. Does that influence how we have to think about the performance of the player in that right sided channel? Because the, the the guy playing right wide forward is playing more like a right back in a sense than the guy. Well, this playing is what I think is a better balance with Saka. His movements are more conducive, yeah. and he travels in the channels better, and he creates combinations better. I think. I think the left side is open. I think it's you know I was disappointed in Pepe. I'm, he's a he's a favourite of mine, but I thought his movement was slow. I thought he was stuck in his boots. I, I didn't think he offered people passes they could really use. I also thought he's missed out on a couple of occasions. So um, again, he's had an average game, but we don't score either goal without him. Yep. Right. So, and that's the challenge. His his goal output, his goal involvement is really, really strong. And so, it's hard to turn away from that. And somebody who's actually in the prime of their career. I also saw Marcelli come on, who looked like he was on a motorbike. His movement was unbelievable. Mm-hmm. He and his desire, much like Lacazette's, was far beyond the other players on the pitch. And so they're saying, "Pick me." You know, Sambi was fine. He got he got robbed, but he was fine. I thought um, he looked lightweight for the first time since we've seen him. Like yeah, genuinely, well, just I generally, I generally think he got robbed on the goal. I, I, I urge you to watch the whole game again, mate. Honestly, he played half a game. Well, I will. With he, you. <laughs> he got robbed. He got robbed on the ball. He was fine. The rest of the, the last half hour, he was just on the pivot, passing it around. He wasn't a two way game. They weren't in charge. I'm telling you, I'm telling you earlier, they weren't. We watched the game in the ground, and you have these nerves because you want to win and you think oh my god they're brilliant they weren't they weren't brilliant i i look i agree with that i never thought they looked great i thought we we refused to sort of take initiative this is, this is where maturity comes in right so we had this game we they we had it uh, honestly we were cruising we had it we didn't get the second goal and this is where inexperience comes in and this is where you need someone to take Keep going, keep going, keep passing, keep playing, keep playing, keep playing. Just step up, step up, don't step back, don't step back. This is what happens in a game, the experience. But we then dropped away, right? So we didn't drop away like they were getting loads of shots on us. They were having shots outside the box, so what? They're having nearly moments. We blocked off, you know, we blocked off the side, showed the keeper what you need to see, over the bar, thank you very much, get a little drink, goalkeeper, Ramsdale, just put the ball down, go again. 
it just wasn't, oh, oh my God, they're, they're unbelievable. They're pinging shots all around us. I didn't feel that. I didn't feel that. I was surprised that the, you know, I sometimes get surprised that we're comfortable out of possession for occasions. I sometimes get surprised at that because as a fan, you never feel comfortable when you haven't got the ball. But I've started to work out this is what we're trying, and maybe it's what we're doing. But that's and, um, our football. That's kind of my complaint. Exactly. That's our we football. We want to be out of possession. But then, and then you can say, well, actually, I don't like that football club. That's, that's absolutely fine. I'm only, say, I'm only saying what I see. Do you know what I mean? I'm only no, saying what, what I'm seeing. Yep. And, and I'm explaining what's, what's, what I'm seeing and what's happening and why it happens, you know? And I'm thinking, okay, so what are the solutions? And I, and I think this is where we can be critis- critical slightly. There are things, there are trends appearing that we've seen before. We've we've seen party in this uh, lone role, and for me, only worked against Burnley, who basically don't play through midfield. And Tim raised that, and he's absolutely right. They go long to the front man, so we put party in front, but he basically played like a centre back and headed it out. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And then we dropped two midfielders in there, and our two midfielders are better than their midfielders, who were just rubbish, right? And they, 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 they don't play through midfield, so it didn't matter. When teams play for midfield, we have we have a problem, right? So, so I don't so I don't want to see that anymore. I saw it against Villarreal. I don't want to see it anymore against teams that play. No, we can't do that. So we have to learn that. Our season picked up last season when we took Saka off the left, put him to the right. We split him and Tini, made them on opposite sides. Suddenly we had offensive power down both sides. Well, I've seen that now. So now it's time to go back to that. Simple as that. We can decide who's playing on the left. I don't mind who it is. I don't mind if it's Martelli or Bamiang or Pepe. But make sure we split up Saka and, and Tierney. That's important to us. That gives us the, the dual power down both sides and, and intelligence. And we can create the triangles and diamonds again. Because we didn't have any on Monday night. That's for sure. Now, because we've lost Shaka, I'm now more open to having Lacazette down the middle of my pitch. Because we've lost the pillar player. The only other partner I've seen apart from Shaka, and by the way, Shaka and Party, I used to think that part, Shaka needed Party to play well, but I actually think Party needs Shaka to play really well. Party is an eight on the slant, Shaka is a six. We don't have number six in the club apart from El Nenny. And people ain't gonna like that. But Lakonga is an eight. Mate Niles is an eight who can be a bit more defensive. And El Nenny is the only true six that we have left in the club apart from Shaka. Now, the only partner I've seen Party play well with, apart from Shaka, has been El Nenny, right? So, because he allows him to be who he is, to be more engaging, to go and jump on people and send us off on a transition. So, there are options available for us and how we want to play. Now, because we're, we're nurturing a young team and young players, every time we have an indifferent result, I shouldn't be saying, let's get the old guys back. And that's what the coach said. You know what? I'm going to play through this because at the other side... We're going to have the experience. We're going to gain the experience to manage these moments. We won't gain the experience if we keep dropping them every moment when we have a bad time. So it's going to be it's going to be interesting to see which way Arteta goes, because every time we have these moments, we get a better play on the outside of it. That's what should happen. That's what happens when you play. That's why people go on loan and get games so they learn these things. I, I it's really interesting. I've said this before, but. I remember when England won the Under-17 World Cup and Phil Foden and Hudson Adoy and Sancho and Brewster, unbelievable team. And in that team was Smith Rowe. And in that team was Conor Gallagher. Mm-hmm. And Conor Gallagher kept Smith Rowe out of that side. Smith Rowe was number 12 man, right? And slightly different players. But I've said before, Elliot, I, I've been tracking their careers, or tracking his career alongside Smith Rowe because they're peers, right? They are absolutely peers. 
At Arsenal, Smith-Rowe's got a 10 on his back and a big contract. Conor Gallagher's a lone merchant going around. He can't get near the Chelsea team. I think he's an outstanding player and will look good in our team. And so it shows you the where, where the two different clubs are. And just finally, when it comes to midfield three balance, I watched England the other day try a very similar thing with Declan Rice, with two number 10s really in Foden and Mount ahead. And it didn't work. It didn't work today for slightly different reasons. And the player England need to glue it all together is Jude Bellingham. We haven't got that glue player. That Well, that glue player is probably party. So for us, we haven't got the six. But for England, they haven't got the eight on the day. And if they put the eight in there and Rice, Bellingham and, and say Foden, then all bets are off, right? We've got the balance right. We have to find a balance at central area. Now we've lost Shaq. And I'm not... I'm not sure which way to go on that, if I'm honest with you. But we have to find a balance and a slight tweak of style so that we can control the areas we want to control and we don't nullify our better players. There are lessons we have to learn. Let's get Saka back where he should be. Let's get party on the slant so we can engage and create transitions for our transition forwards. And because we've lost Granite Shaka, I think Lacazette, as a leader and a captain of his team, needs to play more football for Arsenal Football Club. Until we until we fix that solution, so that's how I see us going. It doesn't mean a Bamian doesn't play, and let's see where we go from there. So that's where I see we are. Maybe we we rotate the ten position between Smith Rowe and Odegaard because I think we're we'll. I don't think we're getting a full game from either of them. So let's make them share the game. That's where my head is at the moment. Post Monday night. Yeah, fair enough. I I don't. I see football that I don't think would work with PSG's team. I don't think it would work with Liverpool's team. I don't think it would work with City's team. Mm. I don't see football that can control a game either in transition or off the ball or in possession. We don't press, so other teams have a very easy existence against us. Lots of time. Lots we don't engage. So we don't, don't press. Engage. We don't engage right. enough. We don't, we don't but engage. We explained, we explained why that was, didn't we? Fair we haven't got engaging players. Then we, don't, we don't zip it around between our players. We don't create sh- small distances so that we can ping one-touch passes. And I'll, I'll tell you something, right? Then we wind up debating this. Ah, Pepe's crap. Oh, Smith Rowe doesn't give the right final ball. Aubameyang doesn't take the chances. It reminds me of the stat that was going around. No one has missed more big chances. No one has missed more big chances in the Premier League over the past several seasons than Mohamed Salah. Is he a good player? He's a phenomenal player. You know why he's missed so many big chances? Because he gets so many big chances and no one cares about the misses because he puts the other ones away. We create so few moments of inflection, so few inflection points in the game that we notice when our players get it. When Pepe doesn't beat a man or Oba doesn't finish a chance or Smith Rowe doesn't make the right final ball or takes an ill-advised shot because they are a much smaller number and a much higher percentage of the opportunities we create. We are creating very fine margin football right now. And fine margin football means your 20-year-old or 21-year-old can't misplace the pass at the end of the move because there aren't going to be enough moves to make up for it. And so it puts them under immense stress to get it right. And I think the problem with not engaging, by the way, and pressing or whatever you want to say, not, not winning the ball off the opposition high up the pitch, we so rarely, Clive, get to play in broken play. We so rarely get to attack defenses that aren't set, that aren't in position, where we can exploit the the, the space. You know, and, and I think 
That's I've been, the kind I've been, of thing I've been that means you have to be even more precise. I've been saying this for a long time. Right? If people know how to stop people, the, the best time to get people is in transition when they're less prepared. Right, mm. so, and that's what we need to do. You need to do things quickly, and you need to attack people and go for their throats. Right? It doesn't mean that we're playing counterattack. It's just regain, retain, transition football. What you do when you win it, right? How you, how you spring, how you go, how you create, and I think that's more natural for us with the players that we have. I'm not saying that that's the football that I want to see played. I'm just looking at the players that we have and when they, and when they switch on, when sure. their lights come on, when their body language changes. That's what I'm seeing. So let's be it, right? Let's yep. be that team. That's what we're going to be. And to do that, we need to create a different dynamic at the base of our midfield in particular. And um, that's what I'm seeing post this one game, right? So it's something that I have a tendency to want to be um, a bit more robust, shall we say, in central areas. I have a natural bias towards those type of um, that type of midfield. I don't like seeing people walk through us. I don't like it. Um, but, you know, you take that risk versus reward if you are creating, getting the ball and having 90 touches. Well, if you're sent the mids, you know, having 39 passes or 39 touches, whatever it is, that's not enough, mate. That's not enough. You know, that means you're not getting on the ball. That, that means you're not showing your boots. That means you're not get working around the midfield to create combinations, to create triangles for people, to allow the picture to change. You're not doing enough. You're standing in areas where you can be marked. And that's what we did on the day. And that, uh, that allowed us not to have control. So other people then react to that. So that's the guard, by the way, I was talking about. And the other people at party then react to that. So I've, I've, I've got to hold this team here. So his, his psychology changes. So I'm going to get on the ball. When I do get on the ball. I've got to keep it going. I'm not thinking I can hurt the opposition. I'm thinking I need to be a pivot for my team. I think it's too good to be a pivot. You know, I, I do. I think it's a waste of a player. So we're rebalancing things, you know, in there. Smith throws a, he's a hand grenade play. He turns up and he explodes in certain areas. You think, oh my God, look at that. And then when we need to contract and defend and win races to squeeze the space when we've lost it, we don't win those races. We don't commit into tackles. We don't do it. We're hustly and bustly, but we're not, we're not wired that way. I'm really a, uh, I'm really a number 10 stroke eight rather than an eight stroke six. Do you know what I mean? I'm not that player, you know? So we're asking him to do things as a 20-year-old that maybe he just can't quite do at this moment like consistently for 90 minutes. And so we are still discovering who we are, I'm afraid. I know it's a bit frustrating, Elliot, and, and you might say, well, Patrick Vieira has, has found out who he is. I think he's put structure in place. He's put structure in place, and we've lost our structure, strangely, through an injury and maybe a slight change in centre-forward play. And so my message would be, let's add some structure back in that we've got in the club to get give us that comfort as we progress up the pitch. And let's see if we can dominate teams a little bit more based on that structure. I don't think we can do it with the players that we have. We select in this team. And that's a hindsight thing because I actually said on paper that was the best team we could select. But too many 6 out of 10 performances, not enough ability on the ball to make up for the lack of structure we showed on the day. And I think the only thing that I would say that you wouldn't, where I'd go further, is to say, you know, we're we're nearing two years now with the man picking the team, lining up the tactics, designing the approach to the game. You'd think at this point we're rounding that corner where we all know how we want to play, how it's going to be effective, what it's going to achieve, the players that can get us there. It was a big summer for additions, but they're young. I can I totally confess that. But like, I did find myself at this game saying, "What is this football?" 
What is this football we are trying to play? Is this winning football? Is this football that the opposition dreads facing? Is this football that creates enough opportunities in the opposing third to not shade a game, but win a game comfortably? And by the way, I get it. We're not at the stage where we should be winning games comfortably, but does this football give us a route to that? And I'm not, I'm not sure I where we are. Myself, I find myself certainly not to say saying no to that, but very skeptical about it. And, and Clive, to the point I made earlier, you know, you look at Patrick Vieira, and I'm not saying Palace are playing champagne football. They're not. But he stepped in. He took over a team that was a deep block, you know, two banks of four, kick it long to Zaha team. Didn't get a ton of new players, a couple of young players, kind of like us, and turned them into a keep the ball team that has the lion's share of possession in 85% of their games this season and keeps the ball and plays it around. And and I, I just, I think you can implement clear strategic changes, tactical changes relatively quickly I still think we're searching. It feels like we're still searching. No, I, I think we've been playing quite a lot, but I think we lost a bit in this game. You know, I, I think we did. I think we. Maybe lost I'm over indexing sense. this game. To be yeah, fair. I think I'm not sure. I'm, yeah, I, I think we are. But hey, look, it's been a couple of games now, and I walked out of the ground feeling just like you did. I'll be honest mm. with you. When I had a breath and I had a look, I think, hold on, mate, why did you feel like that? But I haven't got the solution yet. We need to find a solution. You know, we have a problem to fix. I'm not saying that there are no problems here. We have a problem about, for me, about central midfield. We tried something. I don't think it worked. No, but we didn't. tried it. And, and lots of us wanted to try it. You know, so it didn't work. We can't hammer it if it didn't work. A lot of us wanted to see the 4-3-3 or the 4-1-4-1, however you want to describe it. And so those players on that pitch that were selected, we weren't thinking, oh my God, this team's terrible. There was no uproar before the game. No, it's the, it's, yeah. I think it's the best 11 he could have picked is, was my exactly. opinion of it before the game. Certainly. And, you know, and let's be honest, you know, that team, you know, it's, it's, a, it's not a bad team. You know, it's well balanced. We had a number of players that didn't play very well. You know, a number of players that didn't do what they wanted. Well, can, can I can I ask you though, like when you have a number of players, and not just players, but players that are good on the ball, like right players you know have technical skills, Smith Rowe, Saka, Odegaard, part like, is there a point where when a number of players at home against Crystal Palace look that bad and that disjointed, that you know there is a tendency to look and say they couldn't all just be that off their game at the same think- time? Something is holding them back. I think there was a there was a moment in that game, probably around. I thought we were fine for the first half an hour, but there was a moment where I think we just stopped playing forward as much, you know. And well, we what, had five the, final third entries for half an hour. Yeah, from the we just, minutes but, and you, half. but the opportunity was there. I think I promise you, if you watch it, you'll you'll see the opportunity was there. And but we didn't make the movements. We didn't demand the ball. We just mm-hmm. were dis- disjointed, and we lost ourselves for a bit. And that this is what we need to manage. This is what we need to improve upon. You know, people like to use the word game management, but where do we go when we're not at it? When we're not slicing through teams, when someone goes a bit dead, where do we go? You know, because what we did do was invite people onto us, you know, and, and they gained territorial confidence and then could play a more of a pressing game. Their possession wasn't hurting us, but their ability to take the ball from us was hurting us. That's what's hurting us. And their ability, I'm telling you now, mate, their ability to kick us on the transition discouraged us and took them, and because we weren't getting to their final third because we were being kicked down in the middle third and not having a price paid for it, continually kicked down on transition, they gained some confidence. And we came out after halftime and we were in it, we were on it, and we just gave a stupid goal away. And when we gave the second goal away, we were on top of that period as well. 
So we were heading towards a 2-1 win. It would, I wouldn't say, you know, get the bunting out, right? I wasn't going to say that. We were heading for a 2-1 win. Lacazette was fired up. We were on top, getting shots, conceded again. We had to rescue the game. We were lucky to rescue it. I agree that when we conceded, that was really unfortunate because it felt like we had we were gonna started win. to get back on top. Yeah, yeah. we were yeah. going to win. Yep. And, it's just, and it's just the way it is. Now, am I desperate to see a style that I can <laughs> pin my flag to and say, yeah, this is us? Am I desperate? Yes, I am. I really want to see it, but it's not here yet. So I'm not going to wish it. Or I'm not going to wish it or over-index it and say, "Oh, actually, we need to we need to sort some of this out," you know. But but I'm willing to try this stuff out. I'm willing to see it and see if it works. And it didn't work on this day. It didn't work. Now I'm interested to see on Friday night how we react to that because the substitutes all put their hand up, all of them you know, to play mm-hmm. and to do well in their own way. And it'd be interesting to see. We've got short turnaround. Let's see what happens on a Friday, if we can find a, a new fauna. But what we talk about a fauna here, we talk about fine details of a fauna. We talk about restructuring the back line. That's where we were in the summer. We've done that. That looks okay. Tinny looks a bit tired. Apart from that, we're fine, right? So um, we just need to really settle on the midfield again and then um, – find out what our forward balance needs to look like because it's been two games in a row where I think we struggle for exit strategies. Yeah. I mean, the one thing I will say, you know, naturally we find ourselves again in a position being like, oh, maybe, you know, we miss Shaka. We don't rate him enough. When you get into these patterns where the player who was out then becomes the guy who would have fixed it or the substitute becomes the solution or just a little tweak of the system is the thing that would have fixed it or it was this referee call, like... When you find yourself saying, oh, this is our best lineup, then you play the best lineup and you go, well, actually, that wasn't our best lineup. This would have been, I think when you start to get to that point, that is at least an indicator. Something about the way we're trying to play isn't right because everything we try within that system always feels like, oh, it was missing Shaka or, oh, actually, yeah. it was missing, you know, or, or, this. Or you um, yeah, mm-hmm. I'll give you two other sort of solutions, right? Mm-hmm. Or we're, we're being well scouted and we're being stopped. And maybe the quality of our player is being challenged, or you could say, if you want to, the quality of our coaching is being challenged. One of those three, you choose. Depends where your where your mind is, right? So we we were stopped by them quite well, but we still managed sixteen shots or so, seventeen shots, and we had a bit of pressure, and we were just dumb on the ball, which which gave the scoreboard for me an unfair an unfair reflection from Pay's point of view, but. I will say I enjoyed looking at them. I enjoyed their, I enjoyed how they they're challenging themselves to change how they play. I I enjoyed it. I really enjoyed looking at them. But they they're doing the same system as us, mate. Sure, exactly you know, the same. But that's the thing, right? Like I always hear the reasons why we can't expect to be good at the type of football we want to play. But then I look at like Brentford, who are hell to play against and press like crazy, and. Brighton, who have very little elite talent but can keep the ball effectively, and Palace, who even without their best player can keep the ball for the lion's share of 50% of a game, you know, or whoever it is. And these are these are teams that are not packed with elite top-level talent, young, older, and different, and can do the things that they're being asked to do in a way that looks very effective for the talent level they have. And so I really I find myself getting a little bit frustrated by the suggestion that it's a missing player or an age issue or it's the weather or it's the pitch or whatever it is that is the reason the system isn't looking like a hybrid Liverpool-Man City in their title-winning seasons. Like, 
I, I want to ask you a final question and hopefully a quick answer. Just do you sense a football that is a whisper away from being champagne three-point football match in, match out? You know, because at some point, if, if you say, I don't – I think what I'm struggling with, Clive, and what this performance really worried me about, especially on the heels of the Brighton performances, I don't see like – we're just around the corner from from this really being football that racks up three points week in, week out. And like, if it's not getting there, that, I mean, that's what we're trying to get to, right? I mean, I realize we're not going to win every game, but you're trying to look at football that you say that that's going to be, is this winning football? Yes, yes, this is winning football. You know, oh, I don't, I don't think we're there yet. I don't think any of us think that, do we? Not I, I, don't, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I don't think we're there yet, right? We're building towards that, right? We're building towards something. I'm not sure. It's like, you know, I'm going to you, the, the, the two games previous, I couldn't see a Spurs hammering coming when, before we went out there. Couldn't see it. And I couldn't see a humbling, because I thought Brighton was way worse than Palace. Now, Brighton, we could not get out. We were absolutely strangled in wide areas and down the middle. You know, that's far worse and for longer periods. Right again, their efficiency in the, in the box was terrible, and we and we got away with it, right? But we didn't respond. We didn't have any attacking verb. We didn't have any attacking periods where we were, you know, in any way dominant. For the first half hour of this game, we were fine. The last twenty five minutes, we were fine. Even when they scored, we were fine. So this is way this is way better than Palace. But maybe there was an expectation. I just wanted to see a a, a nice win, and we, and we just didn't get it. And I, I came out of the ground feeling quite depressed actually about how we played but then I said to myself come on man what this is why this is why look at our midfield three look at this look what we're trying to do and we had a balance issue there and we were you know teams only kick you because they feel they can you know what I mean and and they kicked us a lot fouled us a lot and I don't say they kicked us off the pitch but they weren't they weren't afraid to stop us on the transition because they know that's what we're good at Mm. you know they're not going to let us do it. They're going to foul us, and we need to, the game needs to be managed appropriately. Right? Yeah, I mean, I, mean I, I still think you have a goal. You you have a, cha- a choice in football, right? You can try to emphasize the things you're good at, or you can try to nullify the things your opposition are good at. You know, I yeah, they I looked at us and said, both. "Yeah, they said last attack left massively, and they transition. If they transition, they get a break. You take them out." Just take him out. Really smart, letting us play from the right because yeah, I don't, I don't think we carry the same threat when we play from Tomiyasu and. and well, this and is where the Saka thing we need to fix that right because yeah. Saka's on the right hand side. I think we're different, right? Yeah, so I totally agree. We need to fix that. So we need to and, learn our lessons and say, look, let's get back to what we know that works. We we know that Party's not good in his own. We know that Saka's better on the right. Let's stop messing about. Let's get a partnership going in the midfield. Let's get our top boy on the right hand side where he can where he's basically world class. Right and um and let, and we can choose what we do on the left and then this is simple as that right let's just let's learn the lessons that we have learned painfully let's not make the same mistakes again and I'm afraid that's the bit that bit is on the manager right that bit is on the manager but as I say it again when that team sheet came out I was all for it I would have liked to see them swap over between Saka and Saka and Pepe if I'm brutally honest but when they lined up we're not talking about two duds Pepe played like a dud. And Saka was kicked off the pitch. So we had to reform. <laughs> we had nothing out wide. And our central midfield was not as effective as it could be. And it has been on occasion. So we ended up with a 2-2 draw at home. And you know what? Some days when you're not playing your best football. And and there are days when we play better. This wasn't one of them in my opinion. Some days when that happens. You do need things to go your way. 
you know, football isn't always easy. And when things go your way, you know, sometimes it can make the difference. And I will end by saying, while we should have played better and it is not an excuse for not playing better, 99 times out of 100, we get the red card for the kick on Saka. We go up a man and I think we go on to win. And so we compounded the bad day of not playing particularly as well as we needed to with a referee who was incompetent throughout but in one of the clearest moments of a red card you will ever see, didn't give it. And I, I've read, and I don't know if it's true, that he's been stood down for Premier League games this weekend. So, Who's that, Mike? Mike, Mike Dean. Mm-hmm. I, well, I could be wrong. I just glanced at that, but it's... I, I mean, thought I, there I, were some glaring factual... With refereeing, they really focus on fact, you know, not just opinion and interpretation. And there were situations there where there were two clear bookings he did not come back for. You know, and when the player had gone past and the ball was not in playing distance and the player was taken out, which is absolutely fine. That's your prerogative. You can do that if you want. But you shouldn't be allowed to do it without punishment. That's the key. Saka did it. Absolute stick on booking. The car was out so quickly, no one could believe it. Right. So um, it, it, it felt factually incorrect for me. And that's not interpretation. That's just generally what happened and he and he waved at, the reason why he'll get punished for that if, if it's true Elliot is that he waved for advantage which means mm-hmm. he recognised there was a foul and, and then didn't bad. come back to mm-hmm. to um, do the punishment and just had, had a little chat so that's unacceptable that's how um, it goes. you know it sucks right because like I love the equalizer I'll take an equalizer when you haven't played well a 95th minute equals you're absolutely kidding me of course I'd love it but like you know what I would have loved more to get the benefit of being up a man in a game when we weren't playing well and have that just sort of bail us out a little bit, get the three points and on we go, but it didn't happen. Yeah. So, I don't want to bail out the manager. Okay. On, on, I don't want to bail out the fact that you are absolutely entitled to feel you want to see more, right? You want to see more. We all want to see more. I'm just saying what I see and what we're, de- and what we're, de- and what we're developing into. Yeah. You're not some entitled twat if you think this isn't fun football and you'd like to see better. Like, I, yeah. you know, I do think we get a little up our own ass, myself included, all of us on our tactical analysis and our, you know, view of the game. And so, like, it is totally fine to watch that football and say, that's not fun. I'd like to see more fun football. No one's saying you're entitled to it. No one's saying it should happen week in, week out. I think it's fair at this point under Arteta to say, all right, mate, <laughs> let's, uh, Let's spice it up a little bit. So let's hope that happens against Villa on Friday. We can leave it there. I think there'll be another podcast uh, coming potentially tomorrow. I want to do one to talk about the trip specifically and some of the stuff about the event at, uh, at Victoria Tavern and meeting everybody and all that stuff and just giving you some color on the the way that went and the time Clive and I had and Tim and and uh, James McNicholas and James Benj and all the, all the wonderful people we met and spent time with, uh, Mike from the Gooners Pod, and just all of that. So we'll do that. Um, we'll do an instant reaction Friday after the game, but the main pot after that game will have to wait till Monday. There'll be no time to do one at full time, but maybe we can do one of our fun, silly uh, live pregame shows if it all works out. So we'll give that a try. In any event, Clive's on Twitter at Clive PAFC. Thank you, Clive. Thank you very much. My name is Elliot Smith. You can and must block me on Twitter at Yankee Gunner. We love you. And for goodness sake, we will talk to you after Arsenal 10, Villanelle.
Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.